0: Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast World Cup Special. This is our first one of the actual tournament. I'm super excited to be here with some great guests today. My name is Chess Warren and this podcast, as always, is in partnership with Her Game 2. To look back at the first round of group games and some of the second as well, um, joining us, we have the editor of FAWSL full-time magazine, Dan Pentland. Hello, Dan. Thank you for coming on
1: thanks for having me cheers
0: and we also have regular face here or regular voice on the podcast polly starkey thank you so much polly thanks for having me i'm very excited it's great there's lots to talk about it's been a brilliant tournament so far an interesting first round of matches hasn't it been is there a particular moment that has caught your eye so far polly i think there are
2: a couple um for me i think japan really excited me um i thought they were excellent against zambia of course yes they are playing against a smaller side but I think, yeah, for me, that really excited me because people weren't really talking about them coming into the tournament. But then I think a lot of the countries that have made their tournament debuts have been excellent. I think about Ireland holding their own against Australia. Of course, Haiti doing really well against England. And then, of course, the Philippines gained that win over New Zealand. So there have been some fantastic performances from those smaller nations. But then, of course, you've got Japan, Germany, the USA putting in performances that we kind of expected.
1: I think goal-wise, I think Pop, obviously is uh, always a real kind of warrior up front for Germany. But obviously that Brazil goal was superb as well the other day. Absolutely crazy. But um, probably one of the the underdog moments for me is Jamaica because that was some result against France. So, you know, they they didn't look out of place there neither. So, um, you know, well done to them.
0: Yeah, we'll go on to talk about that because that was a really, really strong and solid performance against a, a great French side, which are looking like they're kind of, like putting a new lease of life into their women's national team. VAR also, of course, as always, is a hot topic, but I actually think it's more of a positive than a negative so far this tournament. Fingers crossed we will make it to the end without any horrendous VAR um, controversies. The new thing of the refs um, booming out their decisions around the stadium And giving away quite a few penalties, Polly, how have you found that this has flowed so far um, with the game? Do you think it's added something or do you think we should absolutely get rid of it? be fair I'm a big fan and and normally I'm not
2: always keen on VAR but as someone who kind of loves cricket in cricket when they review stuff that you know the umpire tells everyone about it and it's and people are very involved in it so I love that coming into football because I think that's one thing that people didn't like with VAR that it was kind of secret and you weren't really involved as a fan but actually it's very clear what's happening why the decision's been made and I think that helps the game flow a lot I think we have probably seen you know, a lot more penalties than expected. But I think they are fair decisions. And I think that's just given how, how much press there is in a game. A game, And I think it has become a lot more competitive and, and teams are willing to probably take some risks they shouldn't. But at the same time, it's rewarding some teams for penalties. So I think it has actually worked really, really well. And it's, it's nice to see VAR being seen positively
0: for once. Yeah, and we're also kind of seeing a mirroring of the Qatar World Cup the men's world cup in december of the amount of time that's being added on to the end of um the end of halves and matches as well dan how do you feel like that's kind of affected um affected the run of play so far i think i think the key one to to point out obviously they were 4-0 up already but japan scoring in the 90 plus 11th minute of their game against zambia so it's really proving that we're kind of pushing these games to the limits
1: I haven't got any complaints. I suppose if you're a little nation though and you know you're clinging on to a nil-nil or whatever, it might you know you might want the world to swallow you up at that point and just have done with it. But um yeah, I mean it's it's fair. Um I mean to be fair, I mean VIA has been a good help to the referees, but I think the officiating's been all right as well. You know, we we're here week in, week out that the standards have got to improve, but actually I don't think I've heard anybody, you know, really, really lean to a referee this tournament. So um, you know, maybe VAR is helping with that and kind of taking the spotlight away from the referee. And obviously, you know, it really is giving them a helping hand. And, you know, that's not something we say very often. But, yeah, added on time, as long as it's kind of fully reflective of what added, added on time should be, then, yeah, I haven't got a problem with that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned there about this, this kind of smaller nations this tournament. I think there was a real worry before this tournament that the expansion to a 32-team World Cup would see repeats of scorelines that we saw in the last World Cup, aka the USA's 13-0 thumping of Thailand. But apart from the Germany-Morocco game and Japan-Zambia to an extent, everything seems to be pretty tight. Dan, this can only be a good sign. Are we seeing a real kind of improvement
1: yeah, I'm surprised, really. I think, like, you know, you would always get maybe one team that will pay out the skin and get a result. But, yeah, I think across the board, the standard is there, particularly, you know, when you look at it and, you know, there's some nations that don't have very strong women's leagues. You know, if anything, there at all for them to do. You know, some of them are part-time as well. So, you know, it's really, really good. But I suppose the second and third round matches is going to be the test because, you know what it's like when you do anything in life, when you're really, really up for it, you'll give it everything. You know, i don't know if you die in for example you know january you'll kind of go at it full force and by february you'll kind of peak off and so on and so on so it'll be interesting to see if the likes of jamaica and you know some of them nations who really have surprised us can carry it on into the second and third games but um, you know they've done really well so far most of them so you know credit to them
0: we'll see if they still take the biscuit in the second round tish awful 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 joke why do they still let me on this podcast anyway enough of that terrible terrible humor we may as well start getting on and talking about the games and the the best place to start as always is at the very beginning group a seems really open at this point you had the euphoria of new zealand winning their first ever game in a world cup it was on home soil which is absolutely fantastic the post-match that Ali Riley um, put out was wonderful, made me tear up. Definitely go and watch it if you haven't already. Uh, But then obviously today the Philippines beat them to get their their first ever win. And there were even more emotional scenes there too. But aside from this group, I think the kind of biggest talking point uh, is Norway. What to do about their team. In their post-match today after the game against Switzerland, Hansen said the following, I feel that I've been stepped on for a whole year. Everyone says all the time that we have to stand together as a team and as a nation, but I feel like I've been on the receiving end of a raw deal. Polly, is it the manager or is it the players not gelling or is it a mixture of both? You've got to help me out here. What do you think is going on with that national team?
2: For me, um, my first point is the manager. I don't think Hege is very good. I mean, we've, we've seen her come as interim for England and then Team GB, and there's a lot of kind of, I don't want to say unfinished business, but it feels like there's kind of a bit of a sour taste she left in England with the omission of Beth Mead in particular, I think. Um, But yeah, something's not working. I mean, she plays a certain style of football and she won't change that, which is fair enough, but other teams have figured that out and I don't think it's quite working for Norway at the moment. I think another element is kind of the too many cooks spoil the broth sort of thing. They have got so many talented players, which is why they should be so good. But I think perhaps when they're all on the same field, there's something not quite clicking. And I think at the end of the day, that does come back to management. Like you need to, as a manager, you have this set of players, you work with them and you find what works. And at the moment, I don't think that has worked. Um, but it's, it's been quite hard to watch. And I think uh, with today's game in particular, with um, Hegerberg and that whole situation of, of her going off, and all, it, there's something going on and it's something not good which is really kind of hard to see that that come to light at a world cup when this to everyone was saying they're going to be dark horses you know you need to watch out for norway and actually they've been a little bit of a disaster and you think they were going to come back from, from the pain they had in the in the euros but it's just not happened at all and it's even more of a shame given their talented players you know they've got Frida Mornum. Ingrid Englund was playing awfully the other day against um, new zealand and and people like that and Guru right and so yeah, something's clearly not gelling, and I think at the end of the day, it does come back to the manager.
0: I read a um, Norwegian ju- um, journalist call the one-nil loss to New Zealand even possibly even more embarrassing um, to the Norwegian national team than the eight-nil um, thumping that they received last year from from England. Dan, is there any other perspective uh, you can give us? It's so difficult seeing this happen to a national team, especially when we're on the outside, because we only see a tiny snippet, obviously what, they, what they're what they doing on the pitch, but the little interactions that you're seeing on the sideline, like the Hegerberg thing today, where she was taken off, and she's posted subsequently that it was because of her groin and nothing else and all of this stuff, but it's really kind of difficult to watch.
1: Absolutely, it is. But it, it's a historical problem as well, because... You know, I was thinking back and, you know, other than maybe 2019, I can't actually ever remember Norway putting in a good performance. Uh, Euros are a, you know, World Cup in the last decade. Um, you know, they, they haven't got it together in a number, of, a, a number of tournaments. Obviously, 2017, I think, was group stage. They made a mess of the Euros last year. You know, it's hit and miss whether they'll go through this year. So, you know, something something's got to give. Something's got to change culturally, I think, within you know the whole of the women's setup in norway um you know if you look at sweden it, you know in contrast and the amount of kind of semi-finals and third place finishes and that sort of thing that they've had you know another scandinavian country you know the the leagues are probably not a million miles apart you know the swedish leagues probably slightly better than the norwegian league but you know that they there shouldn't be you know, it's difficult to watch on the eye, really, now, as you say, with all the players they've got. So, you know, somebody needs to really look at the roots of the problem there. You know, I certainly think that Heger is possibly, you know, it's not going down well with her. But, yeah, there's there's deep, deep roots with the problems.
0: Over to the group with the other hosts of the tournament. Group B with Australia, who won but slightly unconvincingly against Ireland, whilst Canada surprisingly drew with Nigeria, with Christine Sinclair missing out on scoring at a sixth consecutive World Cup. There's still time though, Christine, if you are listening. It's looking like a bit of an uphill battle for the girls in green. They're playing Canada on Wednesday and arguably this will be the most important game for their tournament if they want to keep their chance of making it out of the group. I saw they did a This Morning segment today um, the, where they were getting all excited and posting about Irish food and Canadian food before this game. So it's great seeing the hype for the for this Irish team, even even in England. But Polly, do they have what it takes?
2: Well, as someone with an Irish flag right next to me, you are probably asking someone with quite a bit of a biased answer. Um, to be fair, I do think yes. I think given how Canada played against Nigeria, I mean, it's anyone's game really. Um, I think the thing with Ireland that's really special is, you know, they don't have the depth that other teams have, but they I think they have so much more belief than other teams. And their qualification process was not easy. Um, and I think the mentality that they had to, towards that, they've taken into the World Cup. And yes, they lost against Australia, but it was by fine margins. I think in the first half, they really held Australia off. Of course, there was the penalty, but I mean, those sort of mistakes happen. Um, I think that's difficult for Ireland is the lack of depth because, you know, we've seen there's been a potential injury to Louise Quinn. They say she's all right, but it's things like that where, okay, well, if Louise goes down, there aren't options. If Katie McCabe goes down, then, I mean, I don't really know what they're going to do. So it is quite challenging. But, yeah, I think they, they have belief, but they just don't have the strength and depth that they will need. There were opportunities towards... I suppose it was like the final 15, 10 minutes of, of the Australian game. But it's it's frustrating when in a World Cup, you can't get those goals in. Um, and they needed to be scoring those goals. I know Louise had a chance at the end and Abby Larkin coming in in World Cup debut. She had a really good chance, but it's it's frustrating to watch. I think, yeah, it is unlikely, but again, you never know. It's a World Cup. It's very different to kind of playing friendlies.
0: Not to consistently talk about off the pitch issues, but realistically, they frame how these teams play as much as everyone's a professional and, and you go to and you shake it all off on, on the pitch. But do you think the issues that the kind of wider, like wider journalism sphere have, uh, like reporting on Vera Paul, um, especially at this time, are, are kind of affecting this Irish team, Dan? Or is is it something that you're able to shake off? Because there are some really serious allegations there and in the in the pre um in the interview before the tournament, um Katie McCabe was clearly getting frustrated when they were when the journalists were asking specifically mainly about um the issues that um previous federations had had with Paul. Do you think that issue's kind of playing out on the pitch or it's just it's a completely an aside?
1: I mean they turned up against um Australia in the first game, so I think that would be a signal that you know they've got their heads right. Um, I think for Vera, obviously, you know, whatever's happened in the past, you know, will be difficult for her. But, you know, when you go into your first tournament, you know, surely that's got to be the thing at the front of your mind. So, yeah, I think there's no evidence of it yet. And, you know, I'm sure they'll be very, very focused to put in a good performance in the next game.
0: Heading over to Group C, though, comfortable wins for Spain, although it took them 40 shots, at goal to do it, which is potentially a little bit worrying going forward um, if they're looking at their other fixtures. And Japan confidently putting in a defiant display against Costa Rica, 5-0, it ended for them. Japan, a very strong squad. I mean, they left out Mana Iwabuchi, and that was kind of seen as a correct thing to do so clearly. they They have a breadth of talent there. Um, why aren't we looking into this squad more and do you think that they're going to be really ones to watch in the tournament going forward?
2: Yeah, I think definitely for me, Yui Hasagawa really stood out. Um, She's very, very fluid as a player anyway. We've seen that at Man City but I think coming into the national team, she was excellent. They have got a lot of depth and I think perhaps you know this is kind of a more european mindset that you know if we don't see the players we don't know them we don't know if they're any good and i think that has been kind of the case the coverage over here hasn't been amazing of japan but i think as as a squad they are in real contention i think they could go far given england are a weaker side spain are a weaker side it, it gives japan a better chance and i think their performance the other day was was fantastic and getting those goals, it's only going to give them confidence, particularly the strikers. And it also kind of justifies leaving out Mane Wabucci, which obviously was quite controversial for a lot of fans, but it seems like it was the right decision.
0: Dan, is there a standout player in this Japanese side for you? If people are listening in and they need to keep an eye out for someone going forward, um, who would who would your pick be?
1: One of the goal scorers from the other day. Um, but yeah, agree with um with Polly on this. I think Japan very, very impressive. I think the coach is different coach this time round as well. And I think he's had success at the youth groups as well. So yeah, they're going to be really, really good.
0: And Miyazawa um scores two at the start. Juliendo to the um player for Angel City. She also bagged a few goals. Amazing hair, if anyone wants to look her up. She's got really cool pink hair. Anyway, signed on yeah. to Angel City this year, if I remember correctly. And she's Tearing it up over in the NWSL, so re- really, good player, one one to look out for. If you're both just watching the World Cup or you you love a bit of the NWSL, but on to Group D then, where England sits. England and Denmark both won one 0 against Haiti and China respectively. The biggest thing out of this game though, it's how well Haiti played. They were awesome. I think I I personally underestimated them, so I'm really I'm really happy that they came out kicking. Do you think that they surprise people? Dan, what do you think?
1: They surprise most people. Um, I actually watched them at under-20 level in the 2018 Under-20s World Cup in France. And I think I saw them play Germany and they came from like three goals down to 3-2 or something like that. And I thought at the time that that young side were quite a spirited team um so I'm glad that they've turned up at this tournament obviously there'll have been a few of those players presumably who've graduated into the the seniors um it is going to be a test over the next couple of games for them but yeah not not completely surprised but pleased that they're actually showing what what they're made of at the tournament
0: yeah definitely and what is it that the Haitian team has an average age of T- they've got the youngest average age of any team in the tournament at about 22 so it's about right that there would be crossover with some of the players that you saw there in um in this team in the Haitian side 19 year old De Mornay was absolutely cutting it up um throughout this fixture and, sh- and showing her prowess she obviously she's just gone to Leon. a fact look what's looking like it's going to be a fantastic transfer for her because she's I mean, she's a strong player now, so what she's gonna be like in a couple of years' time is gonna be really impressive, especially at a team that challenges for the Champions League like Leon does. Um, Polly, do you think Haiti had been able to kind of crack the code of what England what England is lacking at the moment or what they need to do to be able to close up that squad? Um was it was it game management or did they kind of just outplay them and that's why they had to force the um, force the penalty?
2: Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. I think the thing that England are unlucky with with playing Haiti is there isn't actually that much data to look at from Haiti, which you would have with other teams. And England, I don't know if they've... I don't have any information on this, but, you know, the last time England played Haiti, I, I in my recollection, it's not there. So um, I think from that perspective, it's more difficult for England. But I think Haiti actually managed the game really, really well. Of course, they have bags of information on in England, but actually they kind of... It, exploited England's weaknesses and they pressed them really hard and it was a really scrappy game from England I thought it was such a poor performance to be honest um but I think it looked so poor because Haiti were performing so well defensively they were excellent um and the fact that you know England's goal didn't come from open play says so much about the way Haiti played and yeah okay there was the penalty but I mean for the, to be fair the first um the first penalty that George Stanway took, which of course was then overruled, um, it was an excellent save. So I thought, yeah, I thought the Haitian keeper was amazing and there were some really, really good performances, but very, very
0: poor from England. They played Denmark. England played Denmark on Friday morning at 9.30am UK time. What do you think is going to be the key thing that they're going to need to change between the game against Haiti before the game
1: against Denmark? I thought we're far too static, far too predictable. Um, I think numerous people have said it. There's too much wide play, just crossing balls into the box to nowhere. Um, you know, we're missing Kirby amongst other players. Obviously, we're also missing Mead and Williamson without a doubt. But yeah, Kirby for me in terms of that middle of the pitch and kind of flowing through the middle of the attack. She's um, a big miss. But yeah, we've got we can't be a one trick pony with this. We've got to start playing football using all of our attacking options. And um, yeah, I hope it's different on Friday.
2: Yeah, I agree on the point of Frank Kirby. I think because she's been injured quite a few times, England have played a lot without her, but actually what she brings in tournament football is, you know, there's no one who can replace her, quite quite like what she does. So I think that's definitely a point. I think leadership's an interesting one because for me, I I like Millie Bright as a captain, but I think under Williamson, Players were a lot calmer and I think they were getting a little bit hot-headed in a group stage match, which they were going to win. And I just think it, it was quite difficult to watch in, in that sense, because I think Williamson does bring quite a calm presence on the pitch and players were getting a bit fired up, which is fine. But, you know, to the point where you're like, OK, chill out. But it's, yeah. um, So that for me was a bit of a concern. But the, then in terms of actually getting goals, that's a massive... Kind of issue. If we're not scoring goals from open play against Haiti, how are we going to do it against Denmark? Of course, yes, England are more familiar with Denmark, but it's, it's a bit more difficult. I would say, bring Beth England on. I think it's frustrating that she hasn't given a chance to see that in that warm-up game behind closed doors, she and I think it was Hannah Hampton were the only players that didn't get on the pitch at any point. And to me, that's ridiculous. Okay, maybe people were saying she was struggling with jet lag, but I just think she is such a good player and you know if if England is struggling with kind of converting the ball and things like that well Beth England's the perfect person to do that because at Spurs she's kind of running a one-woman band a lot of the time and she knows how to get goals on her own so I know that's not ideal but it is a solution Um, because for me Daly and Russo they, they were all right but I don't think they're at their peak in the game against
0: Haiti. So over to Group E and the United States, they won 3-0 versus Vietnam with Sophia Smith, a player that was picked out in our preview pod, make sure you go back and listen to that if you haven't already, Who who is very much impressing in that game. It's worth noting, though, in this fixture that Vietnam's goalkeeper, Trantai Kim Tan, saved the penalty from Alex Morgan. Big props to her. A lot of people were saying that she probably deserved the player of the match award over the goal scorers, which I found really, really interesting. Netherlands um, managed to beat Portugal. I think it's been really interesting in this um in this group, to see who makes it out with the USA, especially with Netherlands and Portugal vying it out, it'd be really interesting to see if if anyone slips up against the US or if Vietnam can manage to win against the Netherlands. Dan, who do you who do you expect to be making it out of this group?
1: Gotta be the Dutch. I think obviously they've already got a win in the bag. They have got Vietnam left, and you know why can't they give the USA a game? I suppose you know the USA haven't been. Absolutely brilliant coming into the tournament. I know they haven't conceded any goals, I don't think, but, you know, yeah, it's quite a young, inexperienced American team. So, you know, some of them haven't been in this position before. Obviously, I think they play the Dutch, don't they, on Thursday, Friday? It's quite an early one, might be setting my alarm clock for that one, but... Um, yeah, I, I think the Dutch. I, I can't see Portugal, I think, against them. They only had one shot on target or something like that the other day. So, I can't see Portugal doing it. And Vietnam are going to need a bit of a miracle, I think.
0: But this Dutch side, do you see them making it past the round of 16? Because it's not... It, it hasn't been seeming to go their way um, over, the past, over the past year or so. And I guess with the US as an aside as well, I think we're seeing like the US team now don't appear to be invincible. And uh, I think because of the performances that have happened over the last year, the the games with Spain, with Germany, with England, like they now appear beatable, even if those were one-off games, but it'll be really interesting to see throughout the tournament, um, whether they carry on a good run of form. Polly, people are still tipping them to be the, the, the winners. They're still the bookies favorite. I checked this morning. Um, Will they make it all the way?
2: It's difficult. To be fair, I was sceptical going into the tournament. I think they have 14 World Cup debutants, I believe. And for me, that that inexperience is quite... I mean, of course, yeah, they've got talented players, but that experience, I think, counts sometimes more than talent and skill. Um, I know they still have some of the experienced players, like Alex Morgan, Pino, Kelly O'Hara, but I think it it's a difficult one because we haven't fully seen what the US can do yet I think their game against Vietnam was a good indicator and of course like Sophia Smith is amazing but I think they might struggle later on because um, I don't think with the core of the team they had in for example 2019 the culture was very clear within the team and although people like Rapino and Morgan are still there I think the culture slightly shifted and that kind of I don't want to call it American arrogance but it is kind of that arrogance, no one's going to beat us sort of thing. I think that's slightly disappeared a little bit. As you mentioned, teams don't fear them as much because they have been beaten over the last year. Um, so for me, I wouldn't. I have never put them as my winners for this year. But saying that, I think they can still reach semi-finals, possibly, possibly even the final.
0: Over to Group F. Mia Erickson, who was with us for the preview pod, take a listen now if you haven't already. I'm going to keep plugging it, so please listen if you haven't. Um, she said, we don't know what to expect from France. And personally, I didn't expect from France a nil-nil draw with Jamaica. I think that's very telling for um, Jamaica's way that they kind of really ground out this game, shut the French down, got themselves out of hairy situations when when they gave away free kicks in, in difficult areas. Um, were you impressed by this performance by Jamaica or... Dan or do you think it was more telling that France really couldn't get off the mark
1: it was a bit of both really I think Jamaica were fantastic um they didn't have much of the ball yet even at the other end they created a couple of opportunities which was impressive um defended for the lives Becky Spencer um I think was in goal and you know she did everything that she needed to do and more um but again it's a bit like Norway this it's you know, France, like, when are they going to turn up to the party? It just felt like another, you know, new era and another problem where they were just a little bit flat. Um, you know, I, I know Eugénie Summer gets a lot of credit and, you know, she's highly rated. But again, when I think about her in past tournaments, I've never really felt like she's set the world alight. Um, I mean, in, in theory, you'd hope that they get through, but, you know, it, it's France and, yeah, they there seemed to be a nation that... Again, uh, one of those who just can't seem to perform on the big stage.
0: It's really interesting in the Euros last summer. I found them incredibly unpredictable To when I was watching the game as to what France side would come out. More in the sense of they would come out all guns blazing and be able to grind out wins and put in incredible performances. And then other games, they just look really flat. Um and I think that's that's kind of the thing here. Maybe what well, we'll see when they play their, their next fixture, maybe it was just a one-off and they needed to kind of get themselves into the swing of the tournament, or this is kind of what what they are, and the project that Her Renard has, has been trying to implement. It's he's not had enough time. Um and, and that's kind of spelled the end for this French side. The other game in group. F um, was Brazil's very confident win over Panama. There were some excellent goals in this game. Dan, your highlight of the of the tournament so far um, was one of those goals. Um, tell me about this fixture on, and is Brazil a team that you're keeping an eye out for?
1: Yeah, I think when I was looking forward to the World Cup, I, th- I was thinking somebody from outside of Europe might excel and, and win the tournament. Um obviously USA were the obvious ones, but I kind of thought that Brazil, particularly with how they played against England in the final as well, might might be a bit of a dark horse. And um, you know, great start against Panama. Um, obviously, um the girl with the hat-trick did really, really well. Great, great goal as well. Um, you know, scored by Brazil in that match. What was it, four touches or something like that? Four exquisite touches as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, Panama. You know, on paper, I suppose you'd expect Brazil to win that game and win it quite easily. Um, but, you know, they're up and running and, yeah, I think they're going to be there or thereabouts. It'll be interesting to see what they do against France, given the fact that one team's going to go into that game probably high on confidence. And um, so, yeah, if Brazil can keep that momentum going, then, you know, it could carry them, them you know, certainly into the last, you know, last eight, like last four of the competition and, and maybe further.
0: Yeah, Ari Borges, who was the, the player who scored that hat-trick, she was absolutely exceptional in in that game. She plays for Racing Louisville um, at the moment. But yeah, the the second half of Finalissima, especially, like, hark- harking back to it, really thinking about it, the mentality, like, they look like a completely different team coming out in that second half. So I think that's really important to look at as well, that they have the mentality to be able to kind of, like, grind out these fixtures. And you said Panama seemed. You'd think, well, they'd wipe the floor with them, or this seems like a pretty easy fixture going forward. But I'm sure a lot of people, probably myself, if you um listen back to our preview pod as well, would would have said the same about Haiti with England. So it's quite, it's never really a given. Um, Polly, do you think obviously the prowess of um the their captain Rafaela um. D'Souza obviously now left Arsenal back in the States um, having a player like that as a Rolls Royce of a defender as everyone calls her but it's true she is just so good um, really helps leading your back line and that sh- shows that they're going to kind of really be able to progress this tournament
2: Yeah definitely I was so impressed with Brazil the other day I think yeah Jafaili she just leads so well at the back I mean we saw how good she was for Arsenal last season so it's, it's such a shame that she's gone but um, no, I I think she's brilliant and to have people like Marta as well in the team just with legendary status, I think just adds something to a team. Um, so yeah, it's, it's um it's good to see them doing so well actually because I think sometimes they have underperformed it at major tournaments. So yeah, I think with was a good indication of what they can do in getting a last minute winner. I oh, last minute last minute equaliser. Um it kind of again shows that mentality and yeah, I think they've played really well and I could see them going
0: very far in this tournament. Over to Group G. Um, Sweden were able to grind out a very shaky 2-1 win against South Africa, which was looking like it was going to be a shock draw until the last minute. But I really think that the story for this this um, group is going to be that battle for second place. Who makes it out the group with Sweden? Um what do you think? And Italy were able to beat Argentina. Um, but but realistically, that was also a very tight game. And some of the um some of the selection choices that were made um for Italy were particularly um quizzical. A lot of people saying how they didn't understand um, that Girelli, um started on the bench and after four minutes she came on, she scored, um, and it was the goal that they needed in the 87th minute. Uh, Dan, what do you think?
1: I think it, it's a scrappy group, this one. Um, I think, you know, if Sweden hadn't have won that game the other day, I think, you know, you'd be thinking, is there going to be a shock on the cards there? And, uh, you know, potentially they're going to be scraping through or falling out. But obviously they, they somehow got to a 2-1 win against um south africa italy's probably the favorites now with the points on the board to go through but i think they play sweden next so if they don't get a good result in that game and you know one of the other two teams win then there's a bit of pressure on them going into the last game um yeah it wasn't convincing by italy i don't think um argentina defended relatively well but um yeah, I, I don't see Argentina or South Africa doing much in attack, um, but you know we'll, we'll see. But I think the fact that Sweden and Italy play next, I think South Africa and Argentina will be quite pleased about that.
0: Not to kind of bring it back to this, but it does just make you think how if these most of these teams, if they had adequate funding, how good they really could could be. It's it's kind of it's both exciting but also really depressing to think about, like. I'm, Thinking about how the performance that that South African national team put in against Sweden, which has like quite strong strong funding and and is and it's been a power in women's football for a long time, we've got a really exciting period coming ahead if these FAs can can and continue start to properly fund their women's national team. But I'll get off my soapbox and I'll get into Group H, where Germany looked very very hot against Morocco. Alex Pop, sharp sharp as ever off her head into the back of the net we know how this goes and she celebrated by channeling her in an ET by doing a phone home gesture um to signify how far it felt that she was from home out in Australia I think Germany kind of put in the performance um that we were expecting a lot of other strong teams um to put in it was very decisive um they looked quick they looked sharp and they looked really exciting um Polly talked to me about this German team's performance?
2: Yeah, I couldn't have summed it up better myself. But I think yeah, they I mean they put in the performance that we were all expecting to see from the likes of, you know, England against Haiti. We were ready for a big win. But I think Germany were excellent. Of course Pop is, you know, a bit of a legend and just gets on the end of anything and gets it in the goal, which is is quite remarkable. I think their performance also was excellent without Lena Oberdorf. I thought I was really impressed with that and um, because she's been a key part of their side. Um, but it was just such a team performance. And of course yes Pop stood out, but I think they're so coherent as a group and they're an interesting team because I don't this is such a strange thing to say. Like I don't get much of like a vibe from them as a team. Like in my head they don't gel that well but when they're on the pitch, there is just something that works really, really well. Um, so I was blown away by them. And of course, Germany tournament football, they always they always show up and you know they're not gonna go easy on anyone. So I think their performance was a little bit of a statement of, you know, we're here to win, which I can imagine they they very much
0: are. Colombia managed to see off South Korea thanks to Catalina Uzme and Lena Cancedo scoring. As for the past couple of group, uh, groups that we've spoken about, it's really looking like there's going to be a battle for second. So it'll be exciting to see where this one goes. But special shout out to South Korea's Katie Fair, making history in becoming the youngest player to play in the Women's World Cup at 16 years old and 26 days. Gals, she's, she's not even got a GCSEs. She's so she's so young. Uh, it's super exciting to see her there. Maybe she couldn't be a player like Marta or... Caitlin Ford, who's lo- looking down the barrel of many, many um, World Cups to come. It's very exciting. She's born in the US um, and she has a an American father and a Korean mother. It's great to see her playing for the Korean national team. Dan, just before we wrap it up today, if people are, are they only know the big stars, they don't know many of the other players. Who would you say to keep an eye out for in this tournament going forward?
1: Oh God, that's a tricky one. You've got me on me got me on me <laughs> on my heels there. Um, good question. Good question. Um, there's quite a few young players. I think um, you know, is it Sophia Smith and um Alicia Thompson as well for America? Obviously, you know, gonna be really, really good players. But um, yeah, I think with it with the American side being so young, it'd be interesting to see which players really, really shine and which players are really going to become world class for them. Um, you know, as a, as you've said about some of the lesser ranked nations as well, like, you know, some of them are just coming to World Cup and they're very much kind of putting in performances and putting themselves in the shop window as well. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll see a star born rather than, you know, a case of us tipping one at this point.
2: For me, I've had my eye on um, Esme Brooks for a, a while with the Netherlands and I think she is fantastic. Um, yeah, she just blows me away every time she plays, and I would love to see her get a couple of goals this tournament. I think also I've mentioned to her already, um Abby Larkin for Ireland. she's only eighteen, and she made her World, um she made a World Cup debut and made her international debut this year. um for me, very exciting player. would love her to kind of come and play in a European league at some point. She's outstanding and and definitely want to watch. Got a great chance in the Island Australia game. Couldn't put it away, but um, yeah, for me, definitely want to watch.
0: And that is all that we have time for today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on all good podcasting platforms. Give us a follow on Twitter at TWFP1 and on Instagram at the Women's Football Podcast. Dan, where can people find you if they want to give you a cheeky little follow?
1: Twitter's the best one. I'm useless at social media, by the way, but yeah, Twitter at F-A-W-S-L-F-T.
0: Sick. And Polly, what about you? Yeah, on Twitter, it is Polly Starkey04. Awesome. Make sure to give them all a follow. Make sure you have a great week, everyone, and keep tuning in to those World Cup games. You will probably hear from us very, very soon.